Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. I mean, I was reading about a man uh, just recently uh, called uh, Ben Daly. And uh, Ben Daly uh, is a British man. And since he was a child, he wanted to skydive. He wanted to jump out of a plane. He wanted to feel the, the you know, just wanted to, wanted to do the skydive thing. But something happened to him when he was 18 years old. He had a terrible accident which left him paralyzed. His speech uh, was very limited. His movement from the waist down was completely restricted. But this man, Ben Daly, kept his zeal for life, and he actually also continued to cultivate his dream of one day being able to skydive. And 25 years uh, uh, later, in 2019, Ben Daly's dream of skydiving became a reality. He was flown up to 15,000 feet and he was chucked out of the ever an airplane and 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 church i've i've done it myself i want to tell you it's absolutely awesome if you get a sky i i, I highly recommend skydiving uh it is an amazing amazing experience but here is what this man said he said i felt awesome until i spewed <laughs> and then he says i think it would be great if others are inspired to also follow their dreams. In Genesis 28, we know the story of Jacob, how he had a dream at Bethel. In Genesis 31, we continue to follow Jacob, and he's promised that he is going to become Israel, not the nation, but the name. Uh, Maybe nation later on, who knows. But in Genesis 35, years, years later, we find that Jacob actually becomes Israel. And the thing is, church, pursuing destiny and dreams of God don't happen overnight. Jacob had received many blessings over the years of his life. He had received some good things. And you could say, man, I want that in Jacob's life. I want that. But, but actually in the scripture that we're going to read today in Genesis 35 he finally enters into the fulfillment of God's blessing because he goes back to Bethel. And the blessing I want to talk about today is not the material helps or the financial aids we might receive on the journey of our faith, but the blessing of being in the will of God that enables a man's soul to find rest. That enables someone to look at their life and say, I am at peace because I am in the blessing and the place of God. I want to talk today, Jacob received his blessing finally from Genesis 35 verse 1 to 12. The Bible says, then God said to Jacob, arise, 
Go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among us. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then he let Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they asked, they, 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 they gave Jacob all the foreign gods that were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them underneath the terebinth tree, uh, which was by Shechem. And as they journeyed, the terror of God was upon the cities where they were, uh, that were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the, the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Verse 8. Now Deborah, J, uh, uh, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below, the, below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alon Bakhuth. Uh, then God appeared to Jacob again when he had came from Pan, Padam Aram and blessed him. And he said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and the kings shall come from your body. Let's consider finally receiving his blessing. And look first of all with you, church, today about the place. You know, Jacob is the famous man that many of us all know about. He is the third of the forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob. And Jacob actually has a reputation of being a stubborn troublemaker. From the very beginning, his name Jacob actually means schemer or supplanter. At his birth, the Bible says that when he came and when he was born with his twin brother, he was slightly a few minutes after his brother. And the Bible says he's clinging to the heel of his brother, the heel of his brother Esau. He rips off his brother's blessing for a pot of tasty lentil stew. Later on, he rips off his uncle Laban uh, for, for various different things. And, and even though, church, he kicks and screams along the way, I believe that he is just trying to find the blessing of God. You know, it, it, it's reasonable to suggest that Jacob just wants some favor. Jacob wants the blessing. He wants a wife. He wants a good job. He wants to continue the legacy that was passed down from his grandfather. And I believe he wanted to be all God wanted him to be. He wanted to inherit the destiny that was ahead of him. And there is not a good Christian here today that doesn't want the same thing as that. You may be rough around the edges. There might be, amen, some flaws and some foolish decisions that you've made or make or even will make. But deep inside of our hearts, many of us here today, you are here because you want to do the will of God. 
See, in our text today, we find out some powerful truths about God and His will. God speaks to Jacob, verse 1, Arise and go to Bethel. And we see that God is therefore trying to help him enter into the blessing that he had and that he was trying to find all these years. What this shows us is a couple of things. It shows us the truth about God. I mean, know today we serve a God who leads us. And this is uh, the psalmist revelation in Psalms chapter 23. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me into paths of righteousness. We were on outreach just yesterday on the streets of Erdington. And I was speaking to a Polish Catholic. And this man, he said, you know, I was telling him, you know, actually Christianity is very, very different to Catholicism. The difference is you don't find religion. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants to speak to you. God wants to know you. God wants to help you and lead you. Because to find the blessing of God, uh, God's will, we must be willing to be led by the voice and the direction of God. We also find about God that He directs and instructs us. Verse 1, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar. I mean, you know today, God instructs our lives. You ever think about Noah or, you know, Moses or, or, or Solomon when they're building the arks and the, 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 the tabernacles? You know, God didn't give them a rough sketch. You know, guys, here's kind of what I want. Here's the drawing, back of an A4 piece of paper. Uh, there you go, get on with it. Actually, the Bible tells us there are pages of details. God gives them measurements. God gives them materials. God gives them even weights of what He wants them to use. And the point is, church, God's will involves details. Acts chapter 9, verse 6, Then the Lord said to Saul, as soon as he got right with God, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. We find also that God goes with us. Verse, nine, verse 3, Then Jacob said, God has been with me for the way which I have gone. Jacob's testimony over many, many years in his ups and in his downs, in his good decisions and in his bad decisions, he says, you know what, looking back, God is the one that's been faithful. God is the one that has enabled me to be in this place, finally ready to receive the blessing. You see, what we find from our scripture today, church, is that to enter the blessing of God, we must first be in the place of his will. Verse 1 says God was telling him where to go. He said number 1, verse 1, go to Bethel. See Bethel is the house of God. It is literally uh we would say it is the church, it is the place of God's manifest presence. And God said, "Jacob, if you want the blessing, you must be in the place where I have called you. And what that shows us, church, is the will of God for our lives has a location. God saves us, amen, and He plants us. In the words of the psalmist, like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. We can find through the New Testament this understanding. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. God sets the members in the body as He pleases. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, they are not only as we hoped, but they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us 
by the will of God. Why were the people in Macedonia with and connected to Paul's ministry and the New Testament fellowship? Because by the will of God, we got saved, but then we connected ourselves to a group. We connected ourselves to a fellowship. We connected ourselves to a local expression of the will of God. And that is where we find His will. God places us, amen, in local churches so that we can be discipled, that we can be a Effective and we can enter destiny and the fulfillment of His will and the blessing or the, the, the fullness of His blessing for our lives. I thought that was a good point. You're welcome to say amen. Amen. Let me look secondly then, church, about the posture. How many people you remember being young and your mom would tell you as you walked, stand up straight? Right? Your mom, and some of your mums still say that to you. Uh, you know, she... she the thing is, the point is, your mum understands something. There's an importance to having good posture in life. Right? Good posture uh, is very important in life. If you have a bad posture at your desk, uh, I remember you know, working in an office job, and they'd have these professionals come in, and they would teach us how to sit right, and what kind of chair you need, and how far away your screen needs to be from. And, and what they're saying is that if you have bad posture, you're going to have some injuries, and it's going to hurt you. When a bad posture is bad news in an interview, right? You walk into the interview, you got your shoulders slumped, you sit back in your chair, you'd like the job. You know, you're not going to get the job. You need to sit up straight, you need to pay attention, look like you're interested. Your posture is going to help you get the job. Right? Bad posture is bad in exercise. I remember having some uh, pain in my shoulders once and I was showing someone how I do my push-ups and he said, I think I know why your shoulders, are, your shoulders hurt because if you do this and do this and change the way you do them, they're going to help you with your, your posture is going to help you not get sick. You see, in our scripture today, Jacob's, for much of Jacob's life, he postured himself incorrectly. At the beginning of Jacob's life, Jacob would often posture himself towards other people. At the beginning, Jacob went wherever his parents told him to go. Genesis 28.2, Isaac said, which was actually uh, Rebecca saying, amen, but that's another sermon. Arise and go to Padam Aram, go to Bethuel, your mother's father, and take for your wife, uh, yourself a wife there from Laban's house. Now a disclaimer, how many know we should listen to our parents? Proverbs 1 verse 8, hear the instruction of your, your father, do not forsake the law of your mother. But here is the point, my posture should be principally not towards others, but principally towards God. I remember when my dad, you know, he was screwing up his life with alcohol, with all sorts of crazy ideas of life and, and losing his marriage, had a young family. And I remember, you know, he got saved and suddenly his family starts coming against him. Do you really know what you're doing? I'm not sure if this is a good idea. You shouldn't be going to church. Uh, hold on. Uh, you're happy to allow him to screw up his life, uh, but suddenly you want to influence him to stop him from living for God. You know what happened? He changed his posture. I'm not living so much towards everybody else. I'm going to start living towards God. Because the problem is, if our posture is towards other people, it's very difficult to follow and posture yourself towards Christ. 
Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Church, there are many voices in life that will come through the media, that will come through society, that will come through unsaved influences. And when you embrace those ideologies, when you embrace the values that come from posturing yourself from other people's opinions and ideas of life, the lifestyle will follow and so will its fruits. If you're postured towards other people, what do they think of me? I'm not going to be accepted if that happens. I won't get promoted if I don't do that. I won't be popular here or there. Then life is going to be very difficult to posture yourself towards Christ. We also find though that Jacob postured himself often towards himself. Jacob for many years would live for his own interests and what he thought was best for himself. When he was fleeing his uncle Laban in Genesis 31, 13, God said, I am the God of Bethel. Arise and go and return to the land of your family. So he says, okay, God, that sounds like a good idea. How many people you start to obey God? Lord, you've spoken to me. Yes, I get it. But then in Genesis 33, he was on the way and he encounters Esau. You know, Jacob said, you know, I'm not, me and my brother aren't on the best of terms. Uh, and so he wasn't so into it. He wanted to keep a healthy distance. Verse uh, 18 of Genesis 33, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came to Padam Aram, he pitched his tent before the city. You know, how, what happened to Bethel? What happened to what God, you know, God actually, uh, this is all good, but actually I'm, I'm posturing myself towards myself. Actually, God, I want to go where I want to go. Many times this can be us. We want to do what God wants. We want to be who God wants us to be. But actually, we don't want to do it the way He wants it. We don't want to be that God. Actually, it's about me. In our scripture today, finally, Jacob postures himself towards God. Verse 3 then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God. In the Old Testament, the altar was really not a very nice place. The altar was a place of death. 
The altar was a place of surrender and, 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 and sacrifice. But here is something powerful about Jacob's life. He finally came to a place where he was willing to posture himself towards God's voice and his will. He made an altar. What he's saying is that God, my sole purpose now is to obey you. My sole purpose in life is to worship you and I lay down my life. Every other altar Jacob had made, it was because he was saying, God, I need you to deliver me from this. God, I need you to help me from this. But this altar is different, church. This altar was all about worshiping God. This altar was all about surrendering to God. Church, receiving the blessing of God is not just about being in the right place but it's also about having the right posture. You can come to church, you can hear the preaching of God's Word, you can be in the place of God, be around good people, but if your heart is not surrendered, if your posture is towards others, your posture is towards self, actually the Scripture shows us we can miss the blessing of God. Because this posture is about surrendering our hearts and our wills in repentance to worshipping God. I know that Jacob had already surrendered in Genesis 31 when he was wrestling with God. But here is when it became real. You see, making altars starts with a decision. But it's not complete until it's followed with action. Some people here made a decision and it's like, man, get off my back. Okay, I'll serve you. But there's no action yet. There's no posture. There's no physical change. God says that can't be blessed because the decision, there's nothing real from the decision. Jacob made a decision, but now he moves because he postures his life to the action. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. When people posture themselves to God, everyone else starts to notice. There are people, you know, man, yeah, no, I'm just trying to serve God. I'm just trying to live for God. Well, actually, if you were living for God, everyone else would testify about it. Everyone else would say something's changed about their posture. And, you know, posturing ourselves towards God actually It really does take real faith. Because when you posture yourself towards God, He often will lead us to places we haven't been before. Genesis 18, Jeremiah 18 verse 1. Go down to the potter's house, and and there I will cause you to hear my words. I mean, oh man, that's that's a scary statement. Man, you want me to go? You want me to, you want me to go on that wheel? That's what God is saying. You want me to be shaped? You want me to go to the altar, God? You want me to change? You want me to be molded? You want me to be reformed? Because the will of God means stepping into the things that scare you and make you uncomfortable. You are saved. Praise God. But I want to tell you, you do the will of God, you're going to step into things that you haven't done before. You're going to step into areas and, 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 and arenas that, that make you feel uncomfortable. Man, I'm not sure about this. God, if I'm going to posture myself towards you, it's going to require some faith. The old phrase, if you want to walk on the water, you've got to step out of the boat. You see, the reason why it needs faith as well, because God also leads us to places where we don't want to be. 
place of God is often not the place of our own choosing. I remember many years ago, I went for an impact team in my teens uh, to Pennsylvania in America. And I remember uh, the pastor, he had these, he was living in the countryside. He had a hot tub. He was having a pool installed that week. There was fields around him. It was 30 degrees. I remember saying as I was sitting in the hot tub, I said, yeah, man, I could serve God here. Unton is nice, but it's not exactly hot tubs and fields. You see, the place that God calls us is often not the place of our choosing. John 21 verse 18, Jesus said to Peter, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked where you wished. What he's saying is you postured yourself towards what was good for you. But when you are old, you will, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And then he said to him, follow me. Can your steps still be ordered by God, the place of God, and the posture towards God? Let me talk finally then, church, about the position. See, in our text today, Jacob's posture towards God leads him to a God-intended spiritual position. Jacob begins to take seriously his role as the head of the home. And you could say that he becomes the, the priest of his home. He tells his family, number one, we're getting away, we're putting away the idols. Number two, we're purifying ourselves. Number three, we're changing our garments. Jacob was saying that we're going to be different. We're going to live for God. It's the same as Joshua when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In our scripture, Jacob began to lead. He set a spiritual tone in his home, in his relationships, in his goals, in everything he was going to do. And to receive the blessing of God, I declare to you today, there is a position God wants us to fulfill. I remember a story of two Christians. I might have shared it recently. But there were two Christian leaders many years ago, and they were arrested for preaching the gospel. And so at that time, the, 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 uh, the punishment was being burnt at the stake. And whilst it was just about to happen, the other man said to the other, Play the man, Master Ridley, for we shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as, has, as shall never, ever be put out. What he's saying is that sometimes our feelings, sometimes our circumstances cause us to hide away, cause us to kind of step back from the spotlight. But Jacob teaches us something powerful to experience the blessing of God's will. You've got to play the man. You've got to rise to the challenge. And this, is the, 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 this requires a maturity to rise to the moment that God is put before us. Ephesians 4 verse 11, consider this. He himself gave some to be uh, pro apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Do you think this morning that every teacher always wants to teach? Do you think that every preacher always wants to preach every single service? I know a lot of preachers. I could fill that in for you. 
But the understanding of the mature saint is I'm not doing what I'm doing because I feel like it. I'm not doing what I'm doing because it's, it's what everyone else is doing. I'm not doing what I'm doing even because it's good for me right now. The understanding of the mature saint is I have a position to fill. I have a role to play. I have people that are leading, being led by me and require me to live for God. And he's saying, I need to play the man. I have a position that God has for me. And I declare to you whether you are a month saved or whether you are 15, 20, 30 years saved, God has a position for you to fulfill. God has a place for you to be. God has a posture for you to posture yourself towards. But also God has a position. Man, I'm not just me coming to church by myself. Man, if I'm going to live for God, if I'm going to receive the blessing of God... I've got to play the man, or for the ladies, I've got to play the lady. Hebrews 10 verse 24, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some. Why am I in the house of God? Because I'm rising to the position that God has called me to be. In our text, Jacob goes to the place, he postures himself at the altar, And he rises to the position. Verse 9, Then God appeared to Jacob again. And when he came to Padan Aram, he blessed him. See, this is what Jacob wanted for so long. This is what his prayer was when he wrestled with God at night. But now it was a reality. What does that blessing mean? In our scripture for Jacob, Jacob became Israel. Verse 10, God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you shall no longer be called Jacob. Israel shall now be your name. Jacob went officially and finally from schemer to prince with God. Are you fed up today? We're still being known by schemer. You're fed up by still being known by that old life, that old reputation that old way of existence. The blessing of God changes us from Jacob to Israel. Christianity is the promise that you can become a new creation. That you, my friend, are formed in the image of Christ. What a beautiful thing. It is not just that you can come to church, worship God on Sunday, and play a a role of looking like a good person from the inside. That's the miracle of salvation. Repentance. A change of posture of heart. Where you say, man, I am a new person. I am a new creation. God is moving upon my life. God is changing my life. And if that's not your reality today, I urge you to come to the cross. I urge you to come to the altar because the God who healed and saved and changed Jacob is the God that wants to save and change your life as well. You can become a man of valor. You can become a woman of true beauty because people can look and they can... I, I Just imagine, I mean, I imagine people. Imagine if Jacob saw Uncle Laban many years later, maybe a family reunion or something. Right, he's like, who, who's this guy? That's Jacob. And they double take. No, that's, that's Israel. That's a different man. Second thing is that Jacob gained dominion. This is the blessing of God. Verse 5, as they journeyed, the terror of God was upon the cities around them. 
and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Jacob no longer lived in fear of his past coming back to haunt him. He no longer lived with the enemy coming to take away his blessing. You know, some Christians, they get blessed and they live in fear. Man, this isn't going to last for very long. I need to enjoy this whilst it happens because soon it's going to go. That's not the will of God. But that's not the way Christians should think because the blessing of God means, you know what? I have dominion and I can believe God for authority and strength as I live through this life. And finally, amen, Jacob's life impacted generations. Verse 11, uh, verse 12, the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you and to your descendants after you. I give this land. See, God's, generation, God's promises, God's will is cross-generational. As you live for God, it is not just what God does in your life. It is what God does in the lives of people that come after you. I fully intend to continue to bless or to, con- to, to see the continuation of God's blessing for those that come after me. This is not just about me. It's not just for me. This is about those that are coming later. Are you living in the blessing of God so that others are going to be blessed after you? The place, the posture, and the position. And why don't we have every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to pray today. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.